Roll tight, everybody, and welcome to Bama Talk. I'm Steve Sample, and we're raring to go with another show because later on, we're going to talk about the Tides ride through another championship season with some seniors that help Bama go back-to-back and put some more crystal in the trophy case. But before we get to our guest, I want to talk about recruiting. Based on who went where and what I think is a severely skewed system that impedes the path of way too many prospective student-athletes. For the fifth time in the past six years, Rivals.com ranked Bama number one in recruiting based on their rating system, assigning Bama's class 3,166 points, the highest number in the country, followed by Ohio State, Notre Dame, Florida, and Michigan. And we can pretty much assume that the 25 or so that signed with these schools wound up where they wanted to go, and that's the way it ought to be. There are all kinds of reasons that schools are successful at attracting student athletes to their campus. They may have grown up as fans of that school, or they have family ties, or their interest lies in something as simple as early playing time. A certain school may offer a curriculum that coincides with their career choices, or they may not even know what major they'll declare or what kind of degree they'll get. Some want to be close to home, and some want to get away. And there's also the fact that some coaching staffs just work harder at it than others. That's how it goes in the real world, and the prospects they pursue should all be able to attend any school that offers them a scholarship, aside and apart from the well-intended, we assume, but misguided restrictions that the NCAA is allowed to keep in place with regard to the number of athletic scholarships an institution can provide. We all understand the concept of competitive balance. We all understand that paying a student-athlete's way through college is expensive and that some institutions are more generously funded than others. But what seems to have gotten lost in all this is the fact that having athletic programs is elective and that competing in those programs is also a choice an individual makes for themselves. No one's required to participate in collegiate sports, much the same as that no one in an age without mandatory military service has to enlist in the Marines. We as Americans should, of course, all be equal with regard to the law and our justice system. But we as adults should also be able to deal with the fact that all men are not created equal when it comes to athletic ability and having an affinity for sports. Our Constitution guarantees us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but it doesn't provide guaranteed outcomes, and no sane person expects it to. I love sports. I love football. I played as a kid. I was a little above average playing backyard ball, but I wasn't going to knock them dead on Friday nights or suit up on Saturdays in the SEC. And most of us fit that description. It's not unfair, and it's not about inequality. Some people are just better at some things than others. The university recently reported that it enrolled 241 National Merit Scholars for the current school year. Now, I'm assuming the only restrictions on the number of academic scholarships awarded are the university's ability to pay for them and their willingness. It is silliness to the point of lunacy to even consider limiting the academic opportunities at one school because another school can't afford the same number. And in the case of a state university such as Alabama that's funded with taxpayer dollars, it's indefensible to allow any outside entity to impede access to education for any student for any reason. It's unconscionable that leaders of NCAA member institutions have agreed to, in effect, deny some prospective students admission to college because of athletic concerns. This is where the great irony is overwhelming. 
If the acquisition of a college education by means of higher learning at a state-supported public university is their highest priority and the main mission of that institution, then denying access to qualified applicants because of reasons related to athletics means that institution has subordinated scholarship to the very athletic interest they will tell you should be kept in its proper place. I'm not sure which is worse, the convoluted craving for some competitive balance that does nothing but micromanage young people's lives due to a childlike notion of fairness or the ham-handed penalties placed on scores of innocent people when some NCAA violation occurs. And let it be known that I'm all for playing by the rules and regulations that govern member institutions, but the rule book needs to be shortened and simplified and reflect some common sense. And if protecting the amateur status of the game is so important, then we'd like to see the NCAA and its employees work on a volunteer basis. That, or donate their salaries to a scholarship fund that's shared with member institutions so students from disadvantaged backgrounds can get help with tuition. And Alabama is a right-to-work state, by the way. Universities are out of line, in my mind, by adhering to rules that prevent scholarship athletes from having a job. Yeah, 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 we've all heard about the jobs jocks get when Billy Bob the Big Booster pays a player more money than the job would normally be worth. But pardon me if I don't get all upset about it when, last I heard, NCAA administrators were making six-figure salaries to make sure some student doesn't get a free sandwich. Please. And for those of you out there that are wringing your hands right now, worrying about all the good players going here or there, take a chill pill. You can still put only 11 on the field at a time, and there would still be limits on the number you can dress out for a given game. And with more and more players making early playing time a prime factor in where they go, you'll still see even elite-level players go where they can get on the field faster. Their traditional powers, Alabama, Notre Dame, USC, Ohio State, Michigan, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Texas, etc., they've won more consistently over the years because they made the commitment to be good at it a long time ago. And while we all know all programs ebb and flow, what's true is those who win are those it's always been important to. The NCAA's attempt to neutralize nature hasn't worked and it never will. What I'm saying here is that the 25-85 rule needs to go. If a school can afford to offer 50 kids a year and they choose to do so, then that's 25 more student athletes that will be given the chance to get an education, whether they ever play a down or not. And again... If education's what it's supposed to be all about, why not? The same number of kids would still play, but the number of kids who'd have an opportunity to get an education would increase, and it's my opinion that there is no downside to getting more kids inside the hallways of these gateways to a better future. And a couple of those guys that took full advantage of this opportunity are in the house with us today, fresh off a fantastic football season that brought yet another title back to T-Town. Uh, Jeremy Shelley and Carson Tinker, man, it's great to have you come by and hang a while. How's it been going since South Beach for you? Oh, it's been great. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Roll oh, Tide. Oh, roll Tide, man. It's <laughs> it's great to have you on. You know, uh, first of all, Jeremy, you know, being from North Carolina, when did you first think you might wind up at Alabama? And tell us how you wound up in Tuscaloosa. Um, just throughout the recruiting process, ended up coming down here uh, for – Actually, their camp during the summer, their yeah. kicking camp, and got to kick in front of Coach and in front of all the coaches, in front of Coach Williams and uh, Coach Saban, and uh, ended up winning the camp and all of that and talked to Coach Saban for a while afterwards and came back for a visit uh, the 
08 Iron Bowl. Did you did you kick perfect at the camp? I did. I did. Started early. <laughs> you, you started early. <laughs> Setting a precedent right off the bat. And that 08 Iron Bowl was a good game to go to. As I think that was was 36 to nothing, just in case mm-hmm. anybody out there forgot. <laughs> uh, that was a shutout. Yeah, 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 another one of yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> the first yeah. one. The you know, one. zeros look really yeah. good on a scoreboard next to four zeros on the clock. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. Carson, what about you? What? Uh, how did you manage to wind up at Alabama? What's um, your story? Well, I was born in North Alabama. I was born in Decatur. And I uh, moved to Murfreesboro, Tennessee, right after my freshman year of high school. It's right outside of Nashville. Yes, sir. It's where MTSU is. It's in the uh, exact center of Tennessee. But uh, all my family, they still live in Alabama. They're from Alabama. So I, I grew up in, a, in an Alabama household. Um, had the Daniel Moore paintings around the house growing up. So, there you go. Yeah, I remember watching my dad. Uh, <clears throat> I remember watching my dad. I, I watched the, the Alabama games with him. And I remember he'd be like, come on, Sean. Talking about Sean Alexander. And I was like, Dad, these kids are like 18, 19 years old. He would throw his hat at the TV. He'd get so frustrated. But uh, I, I grew up in, in that kind of environment. I grew up loving Alabama football, loving just college football. And uh, <clears throat> moved to Tennessee and uh, played football there. I played long snapper, and I played offensive tackle. We ran the wing tee, so I didn't have to be too big. Um, I was about the same size I am now. Built a little bit different, but uh, – I knew I wasn't going to be big enough to to play offensive tackle in high school, so I really focused. I mean, in, in college, so I really focused on my snapping and uh, the same camp. It wasn't the same camp, but I went to a similar camp, special teams camp at Alabama, the year before, and uh, offered me a, a spot to walk on, and I was I was all over it. You know, guys, I, I'm from Tuscaloosa, and I started watching it probably before your parents were born, uh, before a lot of people's parents were born. Uh, and one thing that always, of course, I've always gotten to the game early enough to watch the specialists, the kickers come out first to warm up, still fascinates me after all these years, <laughs> decades even. You know, if you grew up an Alabama fan, you grew up a fan of sports in general, what's it like when you when you get to put that uniform on and run out of that tunnel the first time in Bryant-Denny Stadium and warm up in front of those people in a situation like that? Is it? it what's that like? It's unbelievable. It's fun. Um, I can still remember my actual first game was in the uh, Georgia Dome, and just in general, our fans showing up there and everything. Virginia Tech. We were against Virginia Tech, yes, in '09, and just running out there. I remember I hadn't completely uh, gotten my head right for it, and I ran out, and I was just like, "Whoa!" <laughs> you know. And uh, but then uh, the next week, got to come play at home, and it was you know same if not better um, atmosphere in Bryant Denny is unreal. Um, our fans really bring it, and that's that's really been awesome for us uh, all four years that I've been here. What about you, Carson? Um, my my first game was the year before I was redshirted, and that uh, was the Clemson game in the Georgia Dome. Another and, uh, incredible game. <laughs> it was awesome. Man. I thought we were gonna run them out the building. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean the the I I got uh, really lucky. I was fortunate to to be behind Brian Selman. You know, my first two years at Alabama, and uh, I learned a lot from him. And uh, j- just watching how he prepared. And knowing that that I didn't have to snap, you know, I just got to have fun, and I got to soak every bit of it in, you know, wearing the jersey, seeing the fans, and just in a, in a pressure-free environment. And then when I got to start, and uh, my first year starting was 2010, um, I didn't really have to think about all that. So I was fortunate that, uh, like, yeah, all that stuff's great, but you can't focus on that kind of stuff. You got to focus on, you know, doing your job. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's why I was wondering that. But that, but that first time you run out, oh, it was awesome. It, the the challenge. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a real challenge to say, okay, I've been practicing for years. We've had fall camp. We've been in off season. We've we've done this a million times. But the adrenaline, the mm-hmm. rush, 
you're in that you're in those game day uniforms the atmosphere national tv i mean both those games are national tv and prime time you know we're not talking about a high school game in the, in the backwoods of alabama somewhere with 1300 people in the stands georgia dome you know <laughs> georgia dome yeah both years yeah. i was yeah. really impressed with uh mark ingram and julio jones that year because i remember before the game yeah. i was just like it was unbelievable just i mean the the vividness of it like yeah you see it on tv and stuff but being there you're, I mean, you're 18, 17 years old, and it's just unreal. And, uh, I mean, like, you, you can't say enough about Julio and Mark, not only for their whole freshman year, but just that first game, how they just went out there and just dominated. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, and dominating in that Clemson game, that's almost an understatement. That game was over by the start of the second <laughs> quarter. I mean, it was – you could see the body language and the facial expressions on TV of the – of the Clemson sideline, it, it looks like they were staring at a funeral or something, you know. Uh, you know, you guys came in as, as freshmen in 08 and 09. As much success as Alabama's had over the last 120 years, did you ever imagine that you'd play on a team that would win three national championships in, in your four and five years here? That's, that's amazing. I mean, Alabama's won a lot of championships but there's never been three in four years. I'm I'm really fortunate that I could be a part of it. You know, um, when I look back at it, I don't see yeah we ran three or we won three in four years. I look at it, you know, I, I look at Shelly and I look at the rest of my teammates and and what we accomplished. I mean, not winning the the rings and stuff like that, but what we became over the past four over the past five years. And uh, I mean that that's something that sticks with you forever. Like yeah, we got the rings and all that. But at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about, you know, coming together and, and being a team and being a family and being a brotherhood and, uh, you know, setting goals and, and seeing those goals being fulfilled. Yeah, man. You know, there's uh, I think you're that's a great answer. It's a, it's, it's a great word because it, it's so obvious watching that, there, you know, there are a lot of good teams out there. There are a lot of good coaches. Everybody's got strength and conditioning programs these days. Everybody's got some athletes and everybody's got the same number of practices. But the things that stand out to, to me about you guys, the guys on the team, and you're the first two guys we've had from the most recent teams, you just, just graduated or completed your eligibility, is that chemistry that you can't coach. You can't coach chemistry. You can't practice chemistry. You can't, you can't choreograph the kind of things that got you the win in, at, at LSU this year. You can't choreograph the kinds of things that allow you to play at the level you played in situations. You know, you had a situation where we had a rough day uh, in the kicking game against LSU in the first game in uh, 2011 and then come back and score the winning points in the national championship game, which was the bigger game, the, the biggest game Alabama and LSU have ever played and may ever play. And you kicked the winning points with the first field goal. You know, that's and, – and you never looked different. Your body language was never different. You guys are like snipers, you know. <laughs> you, you know, it's it's this consistent sort of focus that's really impressive. And, and again, but there's still some of that you can't coach or choreograph or teach. Tell tell me more about just being a part of this. What's, I mean, that that you take with you, like what Carson was talking about. I think you know, just as far as the team goes, we've we've really. Uh come together and over the years and like you said we do have such a great chemistry and I think we have a lot of credit to um, knowing everybody knows that the guy beside them is working so hard and 
working just as hard as they are and that really you have you can build a trust to uh through each other with that and there's nothing that's really going to break that until somebody you know until there somebody makes himself a kink in the chain and in which case you um they probably won't last very long and so with everybody with everybody working as hard as they will um and as hard as they do it, there's really no there's really no other way to have it than to have uh trust in them yeah i feel like that's the biggest thing when it comes to teamwork is trust like I know Shelly has trusted me because in order for Shelly, like Shelly went 100% this season. And I know in order for him to do that, he has to rely on me. And he's trusting me that I'm going to have the ball there 100% of the time. And uh, like you were talking about how you can't, you know, coach chemistry. Um, I mean, you, you can't. But I think that one of the things that Coach Saban and uh, really Coach Cochran does in the summer is he simulates adversity. And, uh, you know, we'll be running – and, you know, if somebody slacks up, he'll be like, that doesn't count. That one doesn't count. I can, I mean, it's burned into my head. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach Cochran and Coach Saban saying, that one doesn't count. Do it again. Run it again. And, uh, I mean, just, just facing that adversity, you know, in the summer, way before camp even starts, I mean, two months before, you know, anybody's even thinking about football. We're, you know, out there sweating, out there, you know, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, that, that's a real statement out there. Um <clears throat> I mean, 100-degree weather, and, and they're simulating this adversity, and, and that's where you build those bonds. That's where the chemistry starts. That's where the teamwork starts. That's where the trust starts. And, uh, you know, you, you become, you know, re- relying on other people, and, you know, you, you feel the, um, <clears throat> what am I trying to say? Uh, you know, everybody builds the trust there and, and where, can they, where, where they can rely on you there. Man, that's, that's awesome stuff. You know, going, going back to last year, and, and what's cool about having you guys in here together is because every conversion attempt, every field goal attempt is such a team effort. Everybody sees the kicker and everybody sees the snap, you know, but I, I don't think most people realize how much finesse, how much skill, how much practice, how many things can go wrong on, on even just a point after touchdown attempt. And again, like we were talking about a few minutes ago, you got 11 guys on the other side that are elite athletes that are trying to mess all that up. You know, so that's that. You know, the, so you come out in the BCS championship game. It set an NCAA record with five field goals, scored fifteen of the twenty-one points the team scored. Also set an Alabama bowl game record uh, for that, and it was the second most points scored by a kicker in school history. Now at Alabama, it's hard to do anything the first <laughs> time because some team or somebody's done it before. I mean, you know, and and you guys have got. I mean, there's 120 years worth of great football players and great coaches, and every one of them are sitting back and going, wow, look what these guys did. I mean, you guys are part of a legacy that spans over a century, and you've, and you've done it as well as anybody ever has. What's it like, you know, the feeling you have going forward now? You, you've hung up that uniform, you know, your helmet's back on the rack. What's it feel like going forward from that? You know, it's awesome. It's awesome to be uh, held to that standard and held, you know, in those in such other great players' eyes, and um, you know, our what our A club family members, and you know, that whole that whole group, which is just so large, and having them all support us. But you know, now after we hang it up, it's kind of it's it's to the point where we're kind of in their shoes now, and we're looking back at our uh, our ex teammates and you know, future uh, kids who come up and play. 
Um, and hopefully we can look at them the same way and as this uh, program progresses. Hey, you know, you were perfect this year. We were talking about that a minute mm-hmm. ago. You didn't miss this year. But again, you didn't do it by yourself. Exactly. Carson initiated to play. Now give us the stats on it. Now how many attempts, how many point after attempts? Because that was a new school it was, record. It was uh, 69 for 69. And then 11 for 11 on uh, field goals. And like you said, I couldn't do any of it without Carson sending good snaps. Um, AJ putting the ball down well. And, you know, we had uh, Chance, and, Chance and Steen in there help, helping this guy from getting from getting killed, <laughs> killed. By, yeah. by some D linemen. So, uh, you know, you know, we can't we you can't go without all these guys, you know, helping me out. And so, um, I was real fortunate to have it go that way this year. It was Car- all it was all Shelley. Don't let Shelley <laughs> hey, give listen, credit to everybody else. Carson, Carson, you got to have more guts than a burglar, man, man. Because I mean, you know, I did a little snapping when I played little league football. And and I thought people, you know, I thought somebody taken out a contract on my life. It was it was awful. Uh, I mean, you're in a position where you're so vulnerable. Now they've got rules to try to help protect you, but we all know that's a. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think the other team knows about the rules. <laughs> and, we, and we've all seen him get killed a couple of times. So. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten flat ran over a couple of times by some people that are bigger than me. But uh, <clears throat> no, I mean I love it. I love long snapping. You know, it, it sounds kind of weird because I mean I'm sure half the people are listening. You know, what's a long snapper? But uh, I mean, I, I love doing it. I love just being a part of the team. Um, it's crucial. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't do anything else out there. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not big enough. I'm not fast enough. I can't kick. So, hey, you um, did. Hey, you did, you did <laughs> punt. You yeah. did punts too. Yes, sir. And that's a different snap. Yes, sir. I'm just. I mean, I'm just glad I could be a part of it. I'm glad I could be a part of this tradition and uh, the, the legacy. And I'm glad that uh, that I could add on to it. Too. Hey, you know the, the nuts and bolts of it. Now, my understanding is these days you get to use each team has their own set of footballs, right? Mm-hmm. And then, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a certain set of balls that are for the kickers. No, it's it's like that in the NFL, but not in college. Oh, okay. All right, but in any event, does that does that help you? I I remember as a kid doing the pump pass and kick thing, and with guys in my neighborhood. And of course, the balls we used back then were flabby and worn out, and half the air had leaked out of them, so they were soft, and you could kick them real easy. First time I ever tried to kick a regulation ball, I thought somebody put a brick inside of it. No, I'm gonna brag on Shelly. He uh. He's one of the better kickers I've ever been around. I've been around uh, a few kickers, you know, at Alabama and, you know, doing the Senior Bowl and the uh, All-Star Classic. And all those kickers are so picky about their balls. Cody especially, Cody, our punter, he'll only punt like a certain kind of ball and he's always (laughs) whining about it. But Shelly, I mean, you put a ball out there, no matter what kind it is, no matter, you know, how beat up it is or, you know, broken in or if it's brand new, Shelly will kick it and it'll just go straight as an arrow. And uh, that's something that I think that that, uh, while Shelly's such a good kicker is he's not affected by, you know, all the the outside clutter. You know, he's just focused on on what he can do. External factors. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's what makes Shelly so good is, you know, every kick's the same. Um, I would say, you know, whether he makes it or whether he misses it, but he, he made all of them this year. But uh, even in previous years, like, uh, you know, it's just one kick. It, it has a, a life of its own. And whether yeah. he makes it yeah. or whether he misses it, it's in the past. And, uh, and, that's, and that's 80 successful attempts with no failure. <laughs> that's that's freaking awesome. Now, I'm just going to go on record right now as saying, now I know you guys are probably not permanent team captains, but I'm not so sure they shouldn't just let you go over and put a footprint and a handprint together <laughs> in the concrete at Denny uh, Chimes. Because when you go uh, go 
that many attempts with no failures in a in a year when you win a national championship and you kick the points in a national winning points in the national championship the previous year there ought to be at least a toe print in that concrete <laughs> over there. I'm talking about what is it twenty? It's either twenty one points or twenty two points. Shelley has in BCS bowl games. Oh uh, yeah. Total. Yeah, total. Between oh, two okay. of them. And it's, speaking uh, of... <laughs> yeah. I know, it's yeah. easy to lose track <laughs> these days, right? You know, hey... hey I, just, you, I thought that was a pretty cool Yeah, stat. I was, I was run into the... Uh, whenever some, somebody will ask me, uh, you know, if the, like I'll be wearing my ring or something, and somebody asked me uh, what... If, if that's uh, this past year's ring or whatever, and I'm, I'll have to look at it and decide which, see which year it's from. <laughs> they so, start running so, uh, it's a good It's a good problem to have, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Is, uh, is, is there ever a situation where you think, okay, I got a heavy date. I'm trying to impress somebody. I'm going to wear all three at one time. <laughs> do you put them all three on one hand or do you just split it up? Well, I don't even know if you can wear more than one of those things. They're a little gaudy. <laughs> well, there might be an occasion now and then. You know, you know, so, oh, okay. So you guys went on a title tour. You've been to Pasadena. You've been to New Orleans. You've been to Miami and you came away with the goods every time. Tell me, tell me which one of those was your favorite. If you have a favorite. Um, like the way I look at it is you, you can't have like a hierarchy of, of your favorite games. I mean, um, all of them were a lot of fun and all of them were very special, but for, for different reasons. Um, I mean, the, the 09, uh, I feel like we weren't as, I mean, we, we both played that year, but I don't think we had as, as much a part of it as, uh, you know, the other two. And, uh, I mean, the, the one where we played LSU in 2011, I mean, that was really special for me just from everything that, that I overcame personally and everything that the uh, that the city overcame, you know, uh, with, with uh, everything that happened in April. And then in uh, this, this one this past year was really special to me because, I was on the uh, the leadership group the whole year, and uh, <clears throat> I mean even in the spring and leading up to that, and uh, you know just being a senior and I had a lot of uh, a lot of ownership over that team and I had a lot of pride over that team, and uh, so I mean all of them are special for different reasons, but uh, I mean you, you can't have a favorite, you know. You know, speaking of the lead of the leadership um, council, I believe you call it. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember there was a, a, a small incident uh, at the bowl game this year where a couple of guys, I think, were late to a meeting or they had some sort of glitch, you know, and uh, the coach uh, Saban mentioned that he had talked to the leadership council and that they had decided how, how that would be handled. And I was just very impressed uh, uh, that the guys on the, t that Coach Saban had enough faith and trust in you guys to basically put that decision in your hands. Um, yeah, I think that's one thing that, uh, that, that makes us, like you were saying earlier, a chemistry and, and team. Um, yeah, I mean, if you mess up, you know, you're going to answer to coach Saban, but you're also going to have to answer to your teammates. And, uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's something, you know, it's one thing not to listen to coach, but it's another thing not to listen to, you know, your brothers and, uh, and, and to your peers. So, uh, yeah, we, we decided, you know, we, we sat down and we talked to them and, uh, you know, we didn't need that. We were there for one reason. We weren't there to have fun. We were there to win a game. So, um, <clears throat> I mean, that they, they didn't disagree. You know, they knew that they had messed up. And uh, so everybody was pretty much on the same mm -hmm. page as far as how how it was going to go forward. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes. Sir. Well, that's pretty cool, man. I think as, as far as our uh, leadership goes and everything, it's like like you said, like we were saying earlier, it's the same idea where 
Yeah, you just everybody's on the same page, and if you stray off that page, you know you're you're gonna lose, you're gonna yeah. miss out, and you're not gonna be a part of it anymore. I mean, th- those guys knew they'd made a mistake, and they knew that there was consequences. Coach Saban always says, "You have freedom of choice, but you don't have freedom of consequence." And right. That's that's one of the things that uh, that, that comes with that. Yeah, I, I agree, and that that's a great saying because uh, we are all given free will. We mm-hmm. are do have a all do have. Uh, the capacity to make choices, but sometimes the consequences of those choices um, last a long time. Yes, sir. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, watching you guys at, at games and on TV, I get the press- impression that whatever stress and pressure there was on Saturday, it probably wasn't much more, if any, than than what you face at practice. Kind of like what you were talking about earlier, Jeremy, and in meetings, you know, with a very intense coaching staff. Uh, when we've got a few weeks to get healthy and prepare, you guys just dominated January. You, you, you were in the uh, All Star Game, uh, Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. In January. You know, you never lost in January. Yeah, <laughs> you, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I won. Uh, I was at the show. was at the All Star Classic too, and uh, we won that game, and then I won the Senior Bowl too. That's, it's 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 a. Uh... Yet again, a uh, good problem to have when you're even playing in January. <laughs> much, much less, much less uh, yeah. winning. <laughs> you know, another thing I noticed too in the game at Miami, uh, which was just so awesome. I mean, it, it, it was, it was, it was an execution. You know, uh, you guys were obviously into it, focused, were enjoying it. It was, it was an intense game until right after kickoff. And, um, the, uh, you know, but even toward the end, you know, of course, and then the AJ and, you know, Barrett are out there getting in each other's business because with a 28 point lead and seven minutes left, they still want to do it the right way. That's really impressive. We've talked about that before, but even at the end of the game, there's joy, there's jubilation, you're happy, the Gatorade bath, the whole thing. But one thing that struck me was that it wasn't this out of control. I can't believe we did this because I think you expected to do it. And winning at Alabama, winning big games at Alabama is not a surprise. Exactly. You know, it's 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 something that the way the way you guys prepare and and the demeanor of the team, the players, uh, uh, even in a back to back national championship setting, you weren't surprised. And that to me spoke volumes about what goes on twelve months a year. Not just on Saturday. What are the what are the chief things about the way Coach Saban prepares you guys, and, along with the staff, to get you ready to be in that mindset? You know, I actually um, kind of felt the same way when we won this year. It was kind of like you know, it wasn't nearly as maybe surprising as it was my freshman year when um, yeah. Lee and Selman and PJ were there um, playing for us. But um, and it wasn't as maybe. It might have been because of our role in the game um, in 2011, but it wasn't as uh, as wild as you know that was with us having you know 15 points together. Um, what but, I said after every game is that it, yeah. it didn't happen by accident. You know, we went out there and we made it happen. Um, two days after the LSU game, we had a team meeting and said, "All right, we're going to go back to back. We're going to do it again." And I mean, that's where it really all started. Yeah. My fault. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, I just wanted to add that. Well, guys, we're just about out of time. The play clock's running down. Right. It's been a ball. I I could go another half hour, and I wish we had. <laughs> Man, it's a really it's really a treat to get to listen to you guys uh, talk about your experience. And I tell you what, you know, we're going to be doing this a while, so I hope you'll hope you'll come back and visit with us again sometime. Sure, yeah. Uh, thanks for that. having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, We'd ladies and gentlemen. Jeremy Shelley and Carson Tinker, roll tide. Roll tide. Roll tide.
Hey, we've got just a little bit of clock left, so before we hand the ball back to the ref, we want to remind you that Bama Talk is just one of the shows on the menu at BigBrainsMedia.com. Weatherbrains features national award-winning meteorologist and all-around good guy, James Spann. If following climactic conditions cranks your tractor, the man in the suspenders renders comprehensive coverage you can count on. Eavesdrop is our women's show with Jenny and Heather talking about all kinds of issues females face in a forum that's real, relevant, and relational. Just Talking It Up does just what the title says. Any subject's up for discussion and debate. Worldview Matters takes a look at the contrast created by temporal and eternal agendas and the dilemmas it leads to in everyday life. High School Heroes is hosted by two teenagers, four teenagers, talking about things teenagers like to talk about. Undone Redone is our newest show, and it deals with the way the flaws of the flesh fracture families and how faith can facilitate healing and restoration. Auburn Unleashed was launched just recently with Adam Clayton holding court, covering things tigers like to talk about, and Adam has a great affinity for all things Auburn. We'll be debuting a new show very shortly that'll be all about professional sports. And one way you can stay caught up with what's going down is to check us out on our Bama Talk Facebook page. We'll let you know when new shows are ready to go. And in the meantime, we're having a great time posting pics and articles that talk about what's going on with the Tide. As always, you can hear Bama Talk Show through three different mediums. We can be heard in the podcast section of iTunes or on Stitcher and, of course, our online home at bigbrainsmedia.com. The downloads and subscriptions are free, and when you hit the subscribe button, it saves and stores every episode so you can listen anytime you want, as much as you want, at no charge. There's also a free podcast app available for your smartphone or mobile device so you can listen to the show while you're working out or while you're building a privacy fence because Arkansas fans moved in next door or while you're sticking pins in your NCAA voodoo doll. But seriously, folks, we hope you enjoy, and if you do, we hope you'll tell your friends about us. And if you have friends that pull for rival teams, you can always make listening to us what they have to do if they lose a bet. If there's someone we can annoy for you by bumping our gums about Bama, feel free to give them our online address. We'll do our best. If you're in the Birmingham area, you may want to attend the Over the Mountain Touchdown Club's award banquet on March 3rd at the Cahaba Grand Conference Center. The club will be presenting the Bobby Bowden Collegiate Coach of the Year Award to Nick Saban, and Keith Jackson will be honored with the Bobby Bowden Lifetime Achievement Award. For more information, their web address is otmtouchdown.com. Well, it's about time to head for the locker room. We'll be having more guests we think you'll really enjoy hearing from soon, so be sure and stay tuned. We had a ball, y'all. Till next time, take care, have a blessed day, and roll tide.